Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And J.U. Cacao! Finishing up our Halloween Horror for Cowards month with the 1983 seminal classic, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, cult classic, it seems. Cult classic? I mean, I feel like it... I didn't realize it. It was apparently a financial disaster. Like, uh, uh, Oh, I didn't John, know that. Yeah, John Carpenter credits it, it for, for like kind of taking away opportunities from him in the future uh, because it just it flopped and was trashed by critics at, at the time of release. It, w- it was a flop, and it was released on the same day as another sci-fi flop. I also Blade know that. Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner. Yeah. I, I did not realize that. That is some interesting trivia that IMDb gave you about 10 minutes before this podcast. Thank started, you. I so. only made it about one-tenth of the way through it. Yeah. To be fair, I already knew this one thing. Because the, I, not that I don't read IMDb trivia, but I've just always thought that it totally makes sense that Blade Runner was a flop at the time. Like It was just not what America wanted from sci-fi at this time. But I don't have a clue why this flopped at the time. It seemed like it should have fucking done great. Yeah. This is a remake of The Thing from Outer Space, hmm. I believe, uh, which is from like 1951. I've never actually seen that movie. Jay Hugh, have you seen I know Joseph hasn't, but... I've always meant to watch it, but I never have. Yeah, I debated on watching it today after watching this one just because I was curious. I think it's on Amazon uh, Prime. Um, But the thing uh, is about a group of... Do we know exactly what these guys' jobs are? Scientists? Just some sort of research. It never really says what. Yeah, none of them really seem qualified to be (laughs) here. They've got at least two physical doctors on staff, like medical doctors, which seems like an inordinate amount. Right. And then like research crew. one cook and then everyone else is just security. But there's like no... And a, and a helicopter pilot. And a helicopter pilot. That's a good point. Um, helicopter pilot who seems like both an independent contractor and in charge. Yep. <laughs> are in Antarctica when a mysterious happening start to occur and discovering their... I don't think it's a spoiler to say that they discover a spaceship and there's an alien shape-shifting and taking over people. And yeah, I mean, this movie's, I think, pretty well-watched and pretty well-received. I mean, I know we said it wasn't at the time, but since then, like, Joseph... For sure. I, know, I mean, you were one like, of the few people I know who hadn't seen it. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I think it's very widely regarded as a classic. Even though I hadn't seen it, I knew a lot about this movie because it's so uh, ingrained in the popular culture, I feel like. You've talked a lot about how you won't watch Godfather because you've just seen things that make fun of the Godfather bit so much. Uh-huh. And I, fe- I felt like that was true for this movie as well. Like, I, only, I only knew the ending in the beginning of this movie. Everything in the middle, I didn't know. Well, I just mean like so many of the bits we've now seen replaced or, or taken again in other science fiction or pop culture things. I think the the thing has a pretty wide influence on science fiction and horror directors out making movies today. It's a, it basically, if you have a sci-fi show, it's become the basis for when you do your bottle episode. It's this. 
Yeah. Fair enough. You know. But, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, despite the fact that I refused to watch movies before 1990, I know it's stupid for me to think that really anything in this movie is, you know, really original. Like you said, it, it's already a remake of uh, of another 50s movie that presumptively has a similar premise. Uh, but I like I like the premise of infusing kind of the distrustful human fear of like invasion of the body snatchers, but also with super grotesque body horror. Yes. Uh, you know, like usually as when it comes to horror, my, my belief is for me to enjoy horror is a, it can't be too bleak. There's gotta be some sort of hopefulness for it to be cathartic for me. And it can't be too gory just cause I'm not into gore. So I should hate you should movie, yeah but I love it I don't know why yeah I you know before we started recording Joseph and I were talking about it a little bit I also am a big fan of this movie I I think the best like era of movies is 1977 to 1985 like all the movies that came out during that period are probably some of my favorites Ghostbusters Alien Star Wars uh, Indiana Jones this film um, I it's just a time that i love uh i don't know a lot of the the themes the looks the actors everything is a culmination of stuff i really enjoy so that already influences i think my opinion of this movie but also you know when it comes to like body horror uh and we've talked about this in the horror genre in general if you make it good i normally can get over whatever my general distaste Mm -hmm. for it like you make a good scary movie i'm gonna really like it but also like with this and like the body horror element it's kind of sprinkled throughout it's not consistent there are long periods of time where nothing gross happens so i can sit through the three minutes of gross for another 30 minutes of not gross yeah there there definitely is an aspect of this movie to use a phrase that the kids were using like four or five years ago like this movie watched aliens and was like hold my beer yeah (laughs) like it is it's it's like it took aliens like hey man remember how freaked out Everybody was by the chestbruster and aliens. Well, let's just take that as our jumping off point and make everything worse than that. Well, also a note from the IMDb trivia about that specifically is uh, supposedly alien was part of the reason that they they went for a a really aggressive practical effects budget uh, because they didn't want to have a a man in a monster suit. So (laughs) because he didn't like the way it looked in alien. That is that is funny because watching watching aliens as a kid, I never saw a man in a monster suit. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watched it as like in like late teens or adults, I was like, oh yeah, that's just a dude. Yeah, like it's it's know. pretty obvious in Alien yeah. One, I think. Yeah, Alien. I think Alien One is the worst one for that. Uh, there's a this speaking of kind of like its influence in the cultural zeitgeist and its relation to Alien. And no one's going to care about this, but I'm going to share it anyway. There's a really great episode of Doctor Who that combines this premise, but with face huggers. It's a science team in, uh, I think it's in the North Pole in, in, in Doctor Who, but they discover an ancient alien race under the ice that attacks them, but they're face huggers. Uh, and it's just a combo of alien and the thing. I mean, look, right. the, only, the only reason that this one doesn't have face huggers is because Ridley Scott already did it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it absolutely would be in here. That's all. Joseph, what did you think of this movie? Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was surprised. I was expecting to be more frightened of it uh, than I was. Uh, it, I don't feel like it actually dials up like the... I, I, I guess 
kind of like the jump scare suspense that a lot of other horror movies do, you know, where you're like really, you know, you're, you're really lingering on opening that one door or whatever the fuck, uh, you know, even though I know it's stupid, that's the shit that always like makes me like real stressed out. Um, you know, this one's a lot more like, you know, who do we trust? Who can we trust? Who can't we trust? And then also just anytime they're, they're close to the mutilating bodies, what possible horrible thing could happen? And the answer is all the horrible things. Uh, but, for some, but for some reason, I don't feel like it like mentally scarred me. Like I thought it was, I thought it was effective, uh, but I don't feel like it's going like, to keep me up at night. Definitely the tension in this is not what's horrible is going to happen to this person, but what horrible thing am I about to see? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty accurate. Do we want to go over cast for this film? Since there's, the only, th- there's only, only about three, three people. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and Keith David. And I like all of those guys. I so. do too. Uh, yeah. You know, Kurt, first off, let's, let's applaud Kurt Russell's uh, just general look here. Oh, he looks like a badass. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's high-grade mountain man chic, and I love it. I'm, it might be the best screen beard of all time. It's, it's, like neck and it's neck. up there, yeah. It's neck and neck with Jeff Bridges' like King Kong 76 beard, but it's, it, it's one of my favorite. And I think... That's, I, we I should think do a whole episode on best beards in movies. <laughs> oh, man, you are speaking <laughs> my language right now. But... Uh, uh, I think that Kurt Russell might have just been raised by a John Wayne movie. Right? I don't think he had like parents. I think he was just raised by a John Wayne movie, and that's how he learned to speak. But I, <laughs> I love him, and I love him in this particular. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Uh, and and Keith David, like, I think he holds his own. Like, you know, there's kind of this like macho man, tough guy, not trusting each other between yeah. the two of them. And definitely, Kurt Russell is the bigger star, and, even and that, today. Oh, yeah. But definitely at that time. Kurt Russell was the bigger star. And I think Keith David does a good job going toe-to-toe with him throughout this movie. And I think that's what's interesting because, like, I I have nothing against Kurt Russell, and I also feel like he has, like, he's got a star presence to him. It's just hard to to put down, but at the same time, I'm not sure he's ever been a particularly good actor. Right, right. Uh, But somehow, you know, Keith David, I think absolutely, you know, like, goes toe-to-toe, you know, they're, they're kind of co-protagonist slash antagonist in this movie but i also just feel like keith keith david's acting is better i know he's had like an extensive and prolific career but i'm always surprised that keith david didn't like blow up more than he did well particularly after this because i mean very shortly after this for whatever reason he becomes like strange looking but in this he is legitimately fucking handsome he's Mm. like leading man handsome in this movie yeah, it is strange to me that I, I don't, and I probably should have looked this up. I don't know what his career was like before this. And again, I realize we talked about how this was a flop, but it's, it's amazing to me, to your point, Joseph, that yeah, he wasn't more of a thing. Like he's been acting for 25, 35 years. I get it. But like, he's mostly done TV and voice work. And so it's, it's weird to me that, yeah, like he obviously is incredibly talented. Jay, you're right. He is like a handsome leading man in this. He's really good. Why wasn't he, uh, you know, a, a, a next big star after this? And it's just strange. Yeah, I can't explain it. Do we want to go into spoilers? Even though I don't know there's anything about this movie that people don't already know. Also, Wilford, Wilford Brimley, the diabetes guy. Diabetes. <laughs> Doesn't have a mustache. And, you know, man, I, honestly, you know, I don't know if it's great acting or anything, but since he's known as such a 
warm, cuddly figure. Like, you know, it's uh, pretty impressive that he is sort of the linchpin of the twists in this movie. Hmm. He's almost unrecognizable without his mustache. He, he really is. He's just another, uh, he's just like another saggy old dude, you know? But it's, funny, it's, funny, it's funny you say he's, his like perception is kind of this warm, cuddly figure uh, because I haven't seen a lot of movies with him, but I've seen a lot of interviews with R- Wilford <laughs> Brimley and he is not a warm, fuzzy guy no, in any respect, but he's got, <laughs> he's got his like own, his own charm in, in like that really don't give a shit cowpoke kind of way right yeah yeah for sure uh, the only Died thing about year. the cast i'd like to say oh he did yeah he did oh, yeah that's too bad that's too bad um the only other thing i'd like to say about the cast the guy who plays gary i think made a career after this of playing george bush senior but not named george bush senior like he i think he played like the president like four times in the 90s or some shit like that he he does look like george bush senior though that is <laughs> a does. really fair point but we can move on yeah yeah we can get into spoilers as, as far as uh, the actual plot of this movie i i do like the opening sequence i think like does an effective job of telling you like something's fucking wrong <laughs> right sure. uh because it's just weird to watch people shoot at a dog like like their lives depend on it. Like that's just so strange, particularly in movies. Right, right. Because at first it just seems like, oh, these are drunken assholes with a helicopter. Right. You know, but it definitely, it definitely is an effective opener of getting you to wonder what the fuck is going on. Absolutely, here, agree. And you know what? That dog is arguably a better actor than every single person that in Sleepaway <laughs> Camp that we watched last week. That's, that's the dog true. is pretty good. <laughs> the dog yeah. is really good. Yeah. I, yeah. I I thought to myself, this is the best animal actor I've ever seen. I like, thought the same thing. <laughs> the when they're in the cages and he like is cautious about walking in there, I'm like, I actually feel like that dog is an alien and realizes this is a trap. Yeah, and and when he's in the ca- cage and just sort of sitting there and looking forward, motionless, it was like, yeah. is this a fe- an effect or is this really the dog? Yeah, that dog deserved the Oscar. Yeah, props to the dog. Props to the dog, indeed. I always want to know, and again, I'm going to assume Jehu may know more about this than Joseph does, but what is, why was that font for the opening credits, the font of 1980s horror? Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. They all look like that. And That's like, I, I don't know if Ghostbusters is doing it to make fun of everything else, but I was like, oh, this is the Ghostbusters font. Like, <laughs> why is why did we choose that this is what scary looks like when we type it out? Yeah, I don't know. I, I never even thought of that until you said it, but that makes total sense because I was like, when that, when that movie was starting, I was like, why are all 80s scary movies like immediately recognizable from the first second and that's what it is it's that font yeah i don't know it's so weird to me so speaking of the dog in the cage is really the first glimpse we get at like what's actually underneath there which i feel like we've talked about this in another i don't know when the last time we did a horror movie was and i don't remember what the horror movie was but i feel like we've talked about this before like definitely like all the all the weird like morphing and tentacles and spraying shit all that shit is is gross by itself but it's just everything is just a little bit grosser when it's just wet everything in this movie is so fucking wet (laughs) and it's gross as hell 
Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, spewing liquids uh, in this film, and even though some of them look very fake, it doesn't take away from the gross factor at all. Right? No, totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of the plot we we need. We don't need to break this movie down. Scene I, know, I, I scene. don't. Even, I don't even remember the order of the deaths. But I did want to say, as a new viewer, Joseph, to me the the iconic creature moment in this film is the human head on spider body. Yeah, bit. for sure. What was that like for you? I mean, honestly, the the bit before it, I think, was the grosser bit where the like the stomach opened up and just eats eats the guy's oh, that arm. That part's hilarious. Uh, and like that, <laughs> yeah, that whole yeah. bit is fucked up. Yeah, but like the head like sliding off the table and then like pulling itself by like its you know weird tentacle tongue under the table. That's grosser to me than the spider legs with eyes thing. Uh, but the re- the reaction of the characters to seeing the the head with spider legs and eyes is fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you know that that brings up another point to me. Like it's funny, you know, kind of the plot of this movie really churns on this like distrust of your fellow man. You don't know who's uh, good and who's bad, who's creature and who's not. But overall, I think these guys handle this situation pretty freaking well i, I mean, understand that's they actually all... a good point for a horror movie i feel like they act fairly rationally yes i mean they all die but i'm like you know what like i don't know that i would have done a better job in this scenario i can't think of anybody who really seems like you know like you know going into it oh you're a fucking idiot and you're about to die yeah which is what horror movies live and die by but yeah no pretty much everybody in there who dies in this it's almost like well you know there wasn't really a way around that yeah i think that's i think that is actually a strength of this film probably is yeah uh it it doesn't really play into a lot of those tropes and there are tropes that exist in sci-fi and horror today that i think are from this movie Mm. um but it's a pretty clever plot wise like uh, there's no there's no like weakness or glaring holes or even moments that just you're like oh this is just set up for you know x kill or this event to happen later like i think it's uh, like at a script level pretty strong yeah and i I guess that to your point uh that may be why it, it feels pretty strong is because if if we were getting like you know the suspicious like tells early on about you know who's who's going to get it or who deserves it or whatever uh then a lot of the actual like interrogation scenes where they're trying to figure out may not feel as satisfying unless they just wanted to throw a red herring in there right Um, yeah but but each time that they kind of reconvene to be like who the fuck is it uh (laughs) like it feels like it literally could be anybody (laughs) right 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 well, it does a really good job making the choice of not really having them interact with the creature individually hmm. uh, and only having the interactions when they're with groups, I think is a really smart decision to help strengthen what you're talking about. Like none of it feels cheap or played out because you, the audience member, legitimately do not know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get too far, we're probably getting close to the end anyway, but I did want to shout out to uh, whatever fucking computer system that they had down there in Antarctica, which is apparently the most <laughs> advanced AI on the fucking planet. Uh, it does fucking diagrams with, with labels about how the virus spreads. It gives you percentage chance that there's somebody else infected in your crew and how long it'll take it to take over the fucking world. <laughs> right. Pretty All in quickly, one program. too. Yeah, it's impressive. I, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, speaking of computers, also, I think... Uh, 
I think pouring whiskey in the only video game computer they have there in the first scene is a waste of two valuable resources in Antarctica. I mean, you're right, but I feel like it like instantly tells you a lot about Kurt Russell's character. Yeah, it does. It's real good for that. Well, that is another, like, uh, the computer bit is kind of, I thought, another kind of nod to Alien as well. Like, right. this, this movie is, I don't know what exists without Alien existing before it. Right, right. Any other thoughts? Any things we have to say? Well, so yeah, then we, we 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 can we can skip really to the the final scene, where you know we mostly follow Kurt Russell, assuming that he's the protagonist, even though there's still some doubt. I guess that he is not one of the things. He and and two others try to blow up the thing wherever it was left. Uh, Keith David has been missing for a while. He was supposed to be at a post doing something and and leaves his post. Kurt Russell's the only one that makes it out after blowing up what seemingly was, a, you know, the giant conglomerated thing. Uh, but then later, you know, after that, being the only survivor runs into Keith David. And it's the two of them just kind of sitting down. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no structures. There's no heat. There's really no hope of survival for anybody. Uh, so they just kind of sit there and have a conversation about how there's nothing they can really do about it if one or the other, the one or the other of them is the thing. So they're kind of just waiting it out, uh, which is a it's a great scene. It's a great scene and it's a great way to end the movie. And great fucking last line. Uh, I guess we'll just sit here and wait and see. You know? Yeah, it's great. Like it's, like it's yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, so, uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys think one of them was the thing? So we have. Have you guys heard the famous theory about this one? No, I've heard a few theories. Okay, tell me some some of your theories. (laughs) Well, I've heard one theory, which pans out when you watch it, that Keith David must be the thing because you can see Kurt Russell's breath and not see Keith David's in the cold. That's the famous one. Uh, There's also, I think that because Kurt Russell was making Molotov cocktails that we're supposed to assume that the gas in, I mean, the whiskey in the bottle isn't whiskey it's gas oh I, i've also heard that one too yeah so uh but i think carpenter says nah they're both just dudes at the he, end but he does but that's that's fucking stupid don't tell us <laughs> no because you're I right was... because after keith david drinks it kurt russell gives off kind of like you know just a little wry smile a little bit like mm-hmm. i got you that... uh, but if that theory is correct that could it could be how you could read it I, I, that's what I want to believe. I want to believe Keith David is the thing, but Kurt Russell knows it. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's like the, it, it's like the top at the end of, uh, of uh, Inception. You know, you yeah. sort of, who you are as a person, how you, is you decide how that ends. And I decide since, you know, I want things to work out. I decide that Kurt Russell makes shit happen after the camera stops rolling. <laughs> What I really like about this ending, and I, I, I think it's a, it's a brilliant ending for everything you guys have just talked about. I mean, the, the dialogue between the two of them is great. They're both great in it. Mm-hmm. But also, don't do your audience any favors. Just like, you know, that, that is, you don't need to tie a bow on the end of everything. Uh, allowing the, the audience to interpret it how they want or come up with their own endings is dope. More people should do it. Uh, right. This is, a, this is a great way to end a film that 
the whole concept is you don't know who to trust. Right. Why would why at the end of the movie would I tell you, oh, you could have trusted this person the whole time? <laughs> no, it <laughs> takes away from everything else. It's a great way to end the movie. For sure. And, and, totally and, agree. To your point, I don't think this movie would have nearly the staying power that it's had uh, if it had resolved, honestly. Right. Yeah. I think I think the ending is, is a big part of why people like talking about it. Right. No, totally. Absolutely. It's just such a it's just a it's such a perfect microcosm in two minutes of everything you've seen for the last two hours. Right. Uh, it just sums it up really, really well. And and it, again, you're right, Joseph. It creates staying power naturally. Like people are gonna talk about it. It's it's good advertising. <laughs> oh, have you seen the end of the thing? What the fuck was that about? What yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. But it also thematically makes sense i i mean it's, right. it's just really clever well done john carpenter you really are the master <laughs> uh also before we before we completely move on there is also a sequel to this am i correct uh, one well, that came out very recently 2011 it's kind of a soft reboot but i think set like in the same universe it's actually what it is it's funny before it came out uh I remember talking to Michael Williamson about it, and I was like, have you heard what it's going to be about? And he was like, it's going to be a prequel and a remake. And I was like, well, that's impossible. Oh, prequel. But that's exactly what it is. It is a prequel that's also the exact same movie. Hmm. Is it good? It, it's about the Norwegians? It's no. about, well, it's about, the, it's about the Norwegian station, but it turns out it was actually just a bunch of Americans there because, you know, American audiences aren't going to watch a bunch of people speaking Norwegian. Fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, oh God, I can't. Joel think of the Edgerton. Guy. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, I was gonna say the guy with the face who's in everything. Yeah, uh, Jason Clark. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's fine. But it's it's not great. Doesn't I'm, capture the same magic, huh? It does not. No. I plan on watching it. I have yet to see it, but rewatching the the this film has he kind of inspired me to actually finally do it because i kind of had boycotted it on principle right. but now i don't have principles anymore so <laughs> right you're on a podcast there you correct go. yep uh, i watch sleepaway camp so i have no <laughs> more excuses one thing i meant to mention earlier but i have to mention it before it's over i think maybe the the gateway for me into this movie through all its gore and bleakness is that fucking hat what is with that hat that Kurt Russell wears? It is a, a dopey hat. It is like it's like a, a like hat that someone would wear to a baseball game, like a novelty hat. It's gigantic. I don't I don't know what the purpose of it was, but whatever whenever it's in a scene, it just totally takes the edge off the entire movie. And I love it. That's a good point. It's a dumb fucking hat. <laughs> it's a real dumb hat. We haven't we haven't talked about this for any of our other we didn't talk about this last week. But if since we're calling this one under our uh, under the cult films, probably one of the cult films, if we really think about it, mm. uh, what what criteria does this satisfy? This one was, uh, you know, not successful at the time of release. Yep. You know, I, I would also argue poster. Uh, yet, uh, oh, definitely <laughs> a dorm room poster. Definitely, like this po this poster is so much more famous than the movie itself. Mm -hmm. all right well i think that's uh i think that's it for the thing and also for our halloween horror for cowards we did it guys <laughs> we, did. we we sure did none of us died of fright <laughs> maybe next year <laughs> that would be pretty funny if we just like we lost a podcaster here <laughs> 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 we just have to keep replacing them oh man 
Uh, but yeah, that's it for the thing and Halloween Horror for Cowards. Uh, if there's any other horror movies you want us to watch, you know, let us know at realfunnies.gmail.com. It's probably not going to be our first choice, but we're, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we're hurting for content. We pander to our audience. That's fine. What, what have we been watching this past week, guys? Uh, I legitimately don't remember anything that I watched. <laughs> um, but I, I, I watched one thing I know for a fact. Uh, Blood of Zeus, which is a new Netflix oh, anime. No. Was it good? Made by the same studio that makes Castlevania. It looked like it. Uh, it's very much the same show. <laughs> um, demons are the bad guys. There's a special family with powers. There is a um, woman side character who kicks some ass. It's about a dude coming to terms with himself and his legacy. And again, they're fighting demon hordes. It's, it's basically the exact same show. I don't think uh, I could do two Castlevanias. One's probably enough for me. It is okay. I mean, like, it's, I do think Castlevania is better. Um, Their interpretations of the gods are interesting. Um, In some, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert on Greek mythology, uh, but from what I know, some of the things are pretty, like, faithful and, and, and some things are like cool interpretations. And of course, some things are just total made up, whatever they want to do. But yeah, I mean, look, it's it's got the most predictable twist I think I, I've experienced in a long, long time. And uh, yeah, it's probably worse than Transformers. But it's only eight episodes. It takes like two hours to watch the whole <laughs> season. So like... Yeah, I mean, I'd rather probably watch this than watch Transformers 1 again. But now that I'm through it, I'd probably take Transformers over it. It's hard, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Blood of Zeus, it's on Netflix. Fair enough. Hurt? Uh, you know what? I had a very uneventful week for watching, too. Uh, uh, we've been you haven't been to talking get- about watching for years. <laughs> I, know, I know. I've only been talking about Van Halen. And I, I want to say, I almost talked about Van Halen this week again. But I think at this point, I might actually turn people off of Van Halen if I didn't. <laughs> Van Halen. So uh, uh, me and Sarah have been trying to do a new thing. Instead of chugging down one show, we're trying to like stagger some shows and watch one one night and one the next. So, uh, you know, we're watching Fargo, we're watching the second season of The Boys. We're watching The Haunting of Bly Manor, and uh, and we're watching some fourth show that I can't even remember. But you haven't uh, you haven't finished Haunting of Bly Manor yet? You were on episode six last week. There were only nine. We we had like a we had like a rough week this week of just busy oh, okay. stuff yeah, going on. But uh, but and 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 definitely when shit like that comes up, it's we go to the boys because it's dumb and you don't have to pay attention. <laughs> but. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would give all those shows better than Transformers. Of course, out of the three of them, Fargo is head and shoulders above it or anything else on television. Uh, have you guys watched any of this new season yet? I haven't. I have, no, Ian's talked about it. He's really yeah. raved about it. But uh, I almost never try to talk you guys into watching anything, but you guys should start watching that shit. It's fucking dope. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. I've watched a couple things this week. My uh, Miyazaki film this week was uh, well, it was actually a Miyazaki film. Uh, it's The Wind Rises. It was supposedly his last movie. For anybody who's not deep into the Ghibli lore, uh, Hayao Miyazaki pretty much wanted to be a pilot and couldn't do it and instead became an animator and put 
things about flying in all of his movies. Uh, so this one is about a, a loosely historical, actually, story about a, a Japanese airplane engineer, I guess. Air, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Aeronautical engineer? Maybe. I don't know. He designs airplanes. Uh, in Aerospace? Think, sure. In like the 1920s. It, it's not bad, you know, it's, it's not fantastical in pretty much any way besides, you know, he just kind of like dreams about flight. But, you know, Miyazaki makes pretty good films. My problem is it's just a little too fucking on the nose for me. Uh, it, it, felt, it felt as indulgent a movie as the fucking Irishman felt for Martin Scorsese. <laughs> uh, because, again, everybody knows that Miyazaki just loves fucking planes and he just did a whole fucking movie about planes. And not only that, but like the whole airplane designer thing is a very, very, very thinly veiled metaphor for you know being an animator and creating things and much of the story is about like the the young engineer is is looking up to this older engineer who's kind of passing the baton and the younger engineer the main character of the movie is played by Hideaki Anno uh, who is the director of Neon Genesis Evangelion and other things and it was just it was just way too fucking on the nose for me uh, I think I think if I didn't know anything about Miyazaki, I could have enjoyed this movie more. But it just felt very like ham-fisted, trying to to teach me things, and I didn't enjoy that. Um, but only three left. But there are three of the worst ones, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I watched Queen and Slim with Daniel Kaluuya. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Jodie Turner Smith, I think is her name. Uh, it's you know the kind of the Black Bonnie and Clyde story, but it's really like. It's kind of a, a narrative way of, of displaying kind of the black American relationship with police and the justice system, but kind of through the lens of these two particular characters who are in a traffic stop that goes bad and they end up killing a cop who uh, is Sturgill Simpson, unexpectedly. Oh, I was wow. really surprised by that because I, rec- I like recognized his face, but it was like recognizing somebody from like a place they don't belong. <laughs> and so I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" It was Sturgill Simpson. It's uh, it's 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 really good. It's really well shot. The the acting, uh, you know, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Joni Turner Smith are really really good. Uh, it's a little long, and some of the writing, particularly between the two mains, are like it's a little iffy. Uh, but I think it's I mean I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely better than Transformers. Uh, and the last thing that I watched this week is I finished my anime. Uh, Steins Gate, which I was not hot on the last week because the first six episodes are functionally nothing, but I uh, I warmed up on the on the last half of it. So again, it's it's a time travel show. Ian would hate the shit out of it. <laughs> so you know, there's there's pretty much there's there's three kinds of time travel rules in movies uh, right. or, or stories in general. And uh, even though there are rules, pretty much every time travel story breaks their own internal consistency but fucking whatever you know it's whatever right uh but the the first one is that you know time is immutable deterministic uh you you can go back in time but whatever is going to happen has already happened and you can't actually change anything that happened i'm gonna call that is that is that terminator logic no it's not terminator logic something along that line I, it's, it's what Terminator logic purports to be. Right, But sure. then it breaks those rules. Yeah. Uh, two, 
which is, you know, like Back to the Future rules, which is that you can go back and change the past. Right. That's also great. And then the I feel like X-Men Days of Future Past cheated and created a third one where you get to send your own consciousness back in time. So it's just you with all your memories from the future acting in the past to change events of the future. Technically, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married did that too years before. Uh, don't you call me out. Uh, <laughs> but that's but, uh, exactly what you would do that's fair uh but this this show does all three and breaks all three rules <laughs> so you know there's that uh but it is fun on the second half of the show because the first half as slow as it is is kind of them just like playing around with this time travel that they accidentally invented and then realizing on the latter half that there are super dire consequences to the shit they did and then desperately trying to undo all the things that they've already done, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and then over the course of that last half, it actually develops what I would consider to be a, one of a fairly better uh, anime love story within you know, this time travel centric story. Uh, so by the end of it, I really like it. I still don't know if it's you know, it takes a while to get into. I'm not going to push it on anybody. But if you want just a, a, a fun, interesting time travel story, Science Gate. It's pretty good. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, everything was better than Transformers. I had a good week. Uh, but good I, for you. Thank you. But I think that's it. Uh, I know we don't know what we're doing next week because we don't have we don't have a structure anymore. What is November? Is November I anything? Mean, we haven't done a we haven't done a news roundup in a few weeks. We could do October. We, def- we definitely could talk about Oscar Isaacs next week. Yeah. All right. Well, next week we'll plan on a news roundup and then uh, and then we'll be lost again. But you know, one week at a time. I, I I just thought of it during this episode, but at some point I feel like we have to we have to exploit the fact that we have a unicorn among us. Like the only white male on earth born before the year 2000, who's never watched the Godfather. Like surely <laughs> we have to make an episode out of that at some point. Right. I don't, I don't know how to do that, but maybe we definitely <laughs> should do that. And uh, one we've talked about a ton and we were saving for that last Nolan piece of shit. But we need to do time travel movies at some point. Oh, fuck. Totally. You're right. Yeah. All right. Well, one of these days. Uh, but next week, news roundup. All right. But, uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if you think that there are any important horror movies that we missed that are worth talking about, uh, either because they're really good or really bad, you can reach us at realphoniesgmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.